Hello and welcome to this uh, podcast. Uh, my name is Dr. Terry Shanefeld, one of the associate editors of Evidence-Based Medicine. And today we're going to discuss a commentary entitled Aspirin Reduces Cardiovascular Events in Primary Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease, but at a near equivalent risk of increased bleeding. And this is a commentary on a systematic review published in the Annals of Internal Medicine in June of 2016. We're very happy today to have the, one of the authors of the commentary, Dr. Salim Varani. And Dr. Varani, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of information about yourself, where you work, and your expertise in this area. Yeah, I'm an associate professor of medicine at Baylor College of Medicine in the section of cardiovascular research and a staff cardiologist at the Michael DeBakey VA Medical Center. And my research interests are in preventive cardiology, uh, so mostly related to aspirin therapy, statin therapy, as well as quality of care for both primary and secondary prevention. Thanks for giving us your time and joining us today. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you first before we get into briefly the findings of this study, um, when you reviewed this, did you find any issues with the methodology that was used to uh, do the systematic review? Were there any flaws in how it was done, or was it, was it a very well done systematic review? The systematic review was very well done. Obviously, systematic review's quality is dependent on the studies that are included, so that's where there are some issues. But overall, with, with the way the systematic review was done, it was, it was very well done. Okay, and if you wouldn't mind sort of briefly, you know, we don't want to go into all the details because our readers can uh, look at the commentary itself, but sort of give us a, a overview of what the um, systematic review found, sort of a take-home message, uh, if you will, of the findings of that systematic review. What effect did aspirin have in this area? Most of your listeners would know that this systematic review was done to update the U.S. Preventive Task Force uh, guideline recommendations from 2009. So. Since uh, 2008-2009, we had four more studies, so those studies were included in this updated review. So overall, we had 11 RCTs that were included in this meta-analysis. Just to summarize for our listeners, aspirin therapy in in this uh, meta-analysis reduced the rate of non-fatal myocardial infarction by about 22%. On the other hand, it increased the risk of major GI bleeding by about 58% and uh, roughly 27% increase in the risk of hemorrhagic stroke. So to summarize, as far as aspirin therapy for cardiovascular disease prevention is concerned, uh, it's associated with a reduction in non-fatal MI. There was no uh, reduction in cardiovascular disease mortality or overall mortality, but it comes at a price of increased GI bleeding and possibly hemorrhagic stroke as well. So that's in nutshell what we can talk about aspirin and cardiovascular disease prevention based on this meta-analysis. And I guess just to be clear for our our listeners, it's primary prevention, not secondary prevention that we're focusing on. So just keep that in mind. Now, one of the things I've I've found interesting I'd like to get your thoughts on is the reduction in non-fatal MI had pretty significant heterogeneity, and the I squared in this particular analysis was 62%. And the, the authors of the systematic review talk about exploring the heterogeneity from the standpoint of aspirin dose, publication date of the studies, and cardiovascular risk. And that's a pretty reasonable look. What else do you think may have led to such a degree of heterogeneity that they weren't able to find? What are your thoughts on that? Overall, the the pathophysiology of the disease has changed. The populations are different. The CVD risks are different. The 
and, and most importantly, blood pressure control and statin use, which are two most important things that determine cardiovascular disease risk reduction in primary prevention, are also very different. And that's why you see that uh, if you look at the results in a temporal manner, the first seven, most of those results were actually positive. Aspirin was associated with reduction in primary uh, uh, endpoint, whatever the primary endpoint for each trial was. But if you look at the last four trials of aspirin therapy, they have all been neutral. That is, aspirin has not shown improvement in primary prevention. So I guess the challenging part there, and, and I'm a primary care physician and having to try to make decisions in the office of whether to start aspirin on somebody, if you look at the more recent studies, which would probably be more of how we practice medicine nowadays, should we say aspirin really works? Can we say that it reduces non-fatal MI and should we be considering using the drug or not in this group of people, the more contemporary studies? Uh, that's why we still have four large trials that are ongoing. Uh, so we'll have to wait for those results. But uh, I'm also a practicing clinician, so the way I would look at it is that, you know, we should look at the cardiovascular disease risk factors first, like lifestyle factors, where we don't need to use any medication because any medication you use also has harms associated with it. Once that's done, one can do a cardiovascular disease, 10-year cardiovascular disease risk calculation on any patient. And, you know, the most common one we use in the United States is the ACC AHA ACVD risk calculator based on the 2013 guidelines. Now, if that risk is above 10%, then I think it's a decision point whereby a clinician can discuss with the patient what is their preference. Uh, I would say being a preventive cardiologist that most of my patients would actually prefer to take statins over aspirin because the risk is much lower and the risks are not fatal events. You know, here GI bleeding and stroke can be fatal. If patient is agreeable and they are candidates for statin therapy, then my personal bias is to actually start out with statin therapy based on the data that we have, obviously after discussing with the patient. Once that's done and they, they still have high risk after control of those lifestyle risk factors and they are starting on statin therapy, and they still want to reduce their risk of cardiovascular disease. And here, a little bit of discussion about cancer also comes in. If somebody has a family history of colorectal cancer and they're ready to take aspirin therapy for 10 years or longer, in that patient then I would have discussion about aspirin therapy this day and age. And I would always tell them that we are not totally sure based on recent clinical trials that it would reduce your risk of, of of cardiovascular disease. On the other hand, we may have these other uh, uh, side effects from aspirin therapy like GI bleeding and possibly intracranial hemorrhage that, that one needs to be very careful of. And as, as you would know, the, the preventive task force recommendation is very clear. For everything that's where aspirin is recommended, they say patients with low bleeding risk. So one has to make sure that that patient that we're prescribing aspirin on is a low-risk patient for, for, for any bleeding complication that may arise out of aspirin therapy. And this discussion does not stop after having it, you know, once with the patient. This is an ongoing discussion. Every few years, one has to look at what's this patient's 10-year CVD risk and what is this person's uh, bleeding risk. And then therapies could be modified based on uh, those things as well as patients' ongoing wishes and preferences. How do you assess their bleeding risk for aspirin? Is there some tool you use or just 
um, elements in their history? How do you go about determining bleeding risk for taking a, a daily aspirin? That's a very interesting question, and the short answer is that there are no good tools, but I'll tell you what we have available and what, what the data has shown. Uh, the first thing that we know is that if somebody is already using NSAIDs for, for any reason, you know, whether it's pain or something else, those patients are at a high risk of bleeding. So in those patients, I would be very careful in using aspirin therapy. Anybody who has prior history of bleeding uh, or those are anticoagulants, those are easy things, but those have to be asked because when we look at aspirin use in the community, a lot of patients who actually have these risk factors, despite this, they are on aspirin therapy for primary cardiovascular disease prevention. So uh, despite this being very obvious, sometimes it may be missed in a busy clinical practice. So those are easy things that one can uh, assess. The next question that one needs to ask is, okay, if they don't have any of these overt signs that makes them a high bleeding risk, what else is out there? Now, here the caveat is that if we look at all of these studies, and this was very well explained in the recommendations by the U.S. Preventive Task Force as well as this meta-analysis, that all the cardiovascular disease risk factors are, are also associated with increased risk of bleeding. So old age, being a diabetic, being a smoker, being a hypertensive, all these risk factors also increase a person's risk of bleeding as well. So I think... The, the answer is that there is no good score we have. There is one aspirin risk calculator that's available uh, that was also mentioned in, in, in the meta-analysis. It's a, it's a website where one can put in the, the numbers and it gives you a 10-year PhD risk as well as uh, uh, the GI risk and it will tell you whether the patient has a high bleeding risk versus a high CHD risk and that can help in decision making. But the risk that's calculated on that website is not a cardiovascular disease risk, it's a CHD risk. And we don't get absolute bleeding risk there either. So it's difficult. But if I have to summarize, I think one should first make sure there's no overt uh, symptomatology that's there that would make them a high risk. And then have a very clear discussion with the patient that if we are going to be pursuing this therapy, then we'll have to uh, make sure that you do not use anything over-the-counter like NSF that might increase your risk of GI bleeding, and then have an ongoing discussion and ongoing assessment of both cardiovascular disease risk as well as bleeding risk. The other thing that I would like to point out here uh, that the listeners would need to know is that aspirin therapy recommendations were, were made assuming that a person would take it for at least 10 years because overall benefit seems to trump the risk only when you put colorectal cancer incidence in the equation. So it is assumed that a patient would be able to take it for at least 10 years to, over, to have an overall net benefit, not just in terms of cardiovascular disease prevention, but also colorectal cancer incidence prevention. So these patients need to take this therapy for a fairly long time. So I guess the much older patient, maybe we wouldn't do this in them, even though their risk is higher, that they may not live long enough to be on the on the drug for eight to 10 years? Correct, and that's why when you look at the recommendations uh, from the U.S. Preventive Task Force, for those who are between the ages of 50, 50 to 59 and have a 10-year cardiovascular disease greater than, greater than or equal to 10% with low bleeding risk, it's actually a class D recommendation uh, if they are willing to take aspirin therapy for 10 years. For those in the ages of, between the ages of 60 to 69, 
with a 10-year cardiovascular disease risk of greater than 10%, again, with low bleeding risk and who are willing to take it for 10 years, it's a class C recommendation, whereas there's, there was indeterminate uh, uh, data in terms of those who are below the age of 50 or those who are above the age of 70. So, yes, to answer your question, in those patients, we are not really sure uh, whether they should take it or not because older patients, although they are at a higher risk of cardiovascular disease events, they're also at a higher risk of having GI bleeds and intracranial hemorrhage. So the overall benefit may not be there. One last thing I'd like to touch on before we finish up is you mentioned that there are four ongoing randomized controlled trials in this area. Could you just sort of give us a, a quick thumbnail of what kind of questions these studies are trying to answer, uh, what kind of patients may be in these studies, and when we can expect to see the results of these studies? Uh, sure. So the four ongoing trials right now are ARRIVE, ASPRI, ASCEND, and ACCEPT-B. Uh, ARRIVE trial is enrolling patients with moderate cardiovascular disease risk, uh, 10 to 20% CHD, coronary heart disease risk. Uh, ASPRI trial is looking at an older population, uh, what we were just discussing. The initial enrollment criteria, I believe, was those uh, 75 years or, or older, but now the, the enrollment criteria has not brought down to 65 uh, or over, and this studies also looking at uh, cancer uh, as well as dementia incidence in addition to cardiovascular disease. So this trial will answer whether older individuals benefit from aspirin therapy. Then we have two uh, trials that are looking at patients with diabetes. A SEND trial is looking at primary prevention in diabetic patients. Then at Oxford also has a, a, a omega-3 fatty acid arm uh, in addition to aspirin. And then except D is the other uh, very interesting trial, as we discussed, that the incremental benefit on top of uh, statin therapy may not be there for estimate therapy based on some, some recent studies. Uh, so this trial is actually looking at a combination of aspirin plus simvastatin versus simvastatin alone uh, to see if addition of aspirin on top of uh, statins actually reduces cardiovascular events in patients with diabetes. Um, I believe that the results uh, will be coming out in the next two to three years for, uh, for some of these trials. Well, is there anything else, any other comments you'd like to make about this uh, particular systematic review? The important thing is to, uh, to do the risk calculation, have a discussion with the patient, and, and look at the bleeding risk very seriously before starting aspirin therapy on any patient. Well, certainly like to thank you, Dr. Ronnie, for your very useful insights on this interesting topic. And thank you, the listeners, for joining us on this podcast. And we hope that you'll tune in for future podcasts from Evidence-Based Medicine.